WMRA News. I'm Bob Levicky. Ukrainians living in Harrisonburg speak out about the war in their home country. Even though the General Assembly has adjourned, it was a busy week in Richmond, and Jeff Shapiro joins us for a review. And a radio play produced by two local writers, premieres in Harrisonburg. This is the WMRA Daily for Friday, March 3rd. Ukrainians living in the Shenandoah Valley gathered at the Veterans Memorial in Harrisonburg Thursday afternoon to share their connections to the conflict. WMRA's Calvin Pinn reports. Anxiety over loved ones' safety has weighed on their minds since Russia's invasion. And over the past year, Eliana Lagoda has felt that trepidation. That's how I live. It's still the same. Every day you call your parents hoping that random bomb didn't fall on their city. They urged Americans not to forget about the Ukrainians who haven't escaped the conflict. Many, including Michael Kovchak's niece, have elected to stay instead of becoming refugees. She said and other relatives said, no, we cannot leave our, our country, we cannot leave, leave our people, they need support. We will do everything what we can. Their options to help have been limited, though. Leonard Yavni is a pastor at Slavic Christian Church. We can pray, we can send them food, we can send them clothes, we can send them medicine. It's it. We cannot much help. They said people here can help by donating to churches that offer aid to Ukraine and contacting elected officials. Nicole Yurkaba said learning about Ukrainian culture is just as important. There are some fantastic organizations in the United States, like the Ukrainian Institute of America. There are Ukrainian museums in New York City. And taking 10, 15 minutes of your day just to read something, to educate yourself about Ukraine would mean a lot to us. For WMRA News, I'm Calvin Penn. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says the Mountain Valley Pipeline will likely not adversely affect the area's wildlife. The Roanoke Times reports that the service has completed three studies on whether or not the project in southwest Virginia would threaten certain species of bats, fish, and plants. The agency concluded in a 297-page report that the proposed pipeline likely will not impact the flora and fauna. Other approvals still need to be obtained before the project moves forward. At this week's meeting of the Virginia Cannabis Control Authority, members voiced concern over the board's ability to function efficiently. The panel was established in 2021 to develop and enforce regulations around the uh, legalized marijuana market. Well, now the panel faces a potential budget cut. And the Virginia Mercury reports that the board's president said they were in, quote, limbo without a finalized budget from the General Assembly. Competing versions of the state's proposed budget could cut the board's finances in half. The authority is also expected to begin overseeing medical marijuana and marijuana-related advertising in Virginia beginning in 2024. Two seats on the Virginia State Corporation Commission remain vacant due to ongoing squabbles between Democrats and Republicans on who should fill the vacancies. The SCC oversees utilities, insurance, and business in the state, It's now down to one member after the resignation of Judge Judith Jagman in uh, December and the General Assembly's failure to reappoint Angela Navarro last year. A quorum of two members is needed for the SCC to issue rulings, which include approval or denial of proposals from electric utility companies that aim to comply with new rules to mitigate climate change. The Virginia Constitution authorizes the commission to have up to five members, but it has traditionally had three. 
During the most recent General Assembly session, Republicans introduced a number of bills aimed at removing books from public school libraries that they find offensive or inappropriate. But a new poll from Roanoke College shows that is not a very popular opinion. Brian Parsons is a senior political analyst for the school. When you break it down, even into party identification, majorities of both Democrats and Republicans still oppose efforts under those circumstances. Overall, 73% of respondents said they oppose efforts to remove books from public school libraries. That Roanoke College poll also shows Governor Glenn Youngkin's poll numbers higher than ever. Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope reports. Governor Glenn Youngkin's job approval is at 57%, and his unfavorability rating is at 35%, according to a new poll from Roanoke College. These are the best numbers that the governor has ever seen in this poll. It's likely to be explained by a sort of Virginia effect. Brian Parsons, senior political analyst at Roanoke College, says the poll results show an interesting trend for the upcoming presidential election. They showed that Virginia voters prefer Joe Biden to Donald Trump. But they also showed that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis would beat Biden in Virginia. And it showed that in a hypothetical matchup, Youngkin would beat Biden in Virginia 55 percent to 39 percent. His approval numbers are up. His favorability is up. Approval for the General Assembly is up. Optimism about the way things are going in Virginia is up. And so that's certainly having an impact on how that hypothetical matchup with President Biden plays out. Virginia voters may think highly of Glenn Youngkin and his job in office, but that does not mean they want him to run for president. Even most Republicans in this poll say they do not want Youngkin to be a candidate for president next year. I'm Michael Pope. Well, the 2023 General Assembly session is over, but it was still a busy week for Virginia politics. Michael Pope and Jeff Shapiro, political columnist with the Richmond Times-Dispatch, discuss the week that was. The General Assembly has wrapped up. All the lawmakers have left town. Jeff Shapiro, what did they accomplish in their General Assembly session, which only lasted about a month and a half? So what did they get done? Our friends over at VPAP, the Virginia Public Access Project, had some useful figures. There were about 2,200 bills introduced uh, by delegates and senators. 43% were approved. That's about 897 bills that uh, the governor, Republican Glenn Youngkin, will have to review over the next 30 days. He can sign them. He can seek revisions propose amendments, or he can veto them. And of course, if he vetoes them, the legislature has a go at trying to override the governor's veto and passing these these measures into law. So one thing they did not accomplish before they left town was a budget. What's the latest on that? Well, this budget fight, uh, like so many before it, uh, is uh, Washington-like. There is a uh, big disagreement between the Democratic Senate and the Republican House over another billion dollars in tax cuts uh, sought by the the governor. Um, The latest talking point, at least on the Senate side, from Janet Howell, co-chair of the Senate Finance and Appropriations Committee, is that what about tax rebates, one-time refunds, uh, one-time payments to taxpayers? It is Howell's view that this is less of a drain on the budget in difficult, if not uncertain times. Uh, less of a uh, drain than a continuing, ongoing, open-ended tax cut. 
All right. And so another development that's been going on for the last few days and will continue to go on is many of these General Assembly members making announcements that they will not seek re-election. This is a very long list here of delegates and senators who are calling it quits. Jeff Shapiro, what's going on with the length of the list of all these lawmakers saying they will not seek re-election? And Michael Pope, that list will get much longer. A lot of this is driven by redistricting. Remember, it was a painful exercise for the legislature. Its independent commission couldn't do its job, so the Virginia Supreme Court did, and bunches and bunches of delegates and senators were stacked up, doubled up, tripled up in districts. There is an exodus uh, going on. We're perhaps looking at maybe 12 senators or more, 30 delegates or more. Don't hold me to those figures because they're all subject to change. So uh, stay tuned and keep in mind that all of this means the legislature that's seated next January in 2024 is going to be very, very different. Well, another person calling it quits is Governor Yunkin's superintendent of public education stepping down from her very important and controversial role after a delayed release of history standards, and a $200 million error. That has yet to be fixed. Jeff Shapiro, what do we make of the resignation here of the superintendent of public instruction? The big question is, was Malou pushed or did she jump? This was an odd fit uh, from the very beginning. She moved to suburban-dominated Virginia, a state that's 42% non-white from nearly all-white, heavily rural uh, Wyoming. By the way, she gave no reason for her departure. And by the way, her last day on the job is the same day that Glenn Youngkin, prospective presidential candidate, is scheduled to appear on CNN to discuss education issues. Hmm. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. That's all the time that we've got for this week. My name is Michael Pope, and we've been joined by Jeff Shapiro of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Talk to you next week. Thank you for having me. And finally today, a radio play written and produced in Harrisonburg premiered at Court Square Theater last weekend. WMRA's Randy B. Hagee reports. An excited crowd of more than 100 people spilled into the theater on Sunday evening for the premiere of Help, My Baby's a Rat. Alternate title, an ad for everything and everything in an ad. The show is a radio play running a little under an hour in length. Writer Tim Wiggins of Third Story Studios explained the premise. I like to describe this play as the sounds of a guy watching television on the day the world's ending. He comes in, he sits down, and he starts channel surfing. For the most part, he's watching a program called Help My Baby's a Rat, which is about this suburban couple of, like from a 50s sitcom whose newborn baby spontaneously turns into a giant rat. But at different times throughout the play, you know, he starts changing the channel. The performance did feature some minimalist visual elements on stage. A man slumped into an armchair under a dim floor lamp, gesturing towards a static-filled TV screen. But the magic lies in the audio, with the sounds of distinctly stylized commercials, dramas, comedies, and news broadcasts leading you through a surreal, fast-paced comedy. This satire, while advertised for audiences 16 years and older, should be rated E for everyone, as in everyone can get it, from politicians. Yes. Now, how may I stonewall you today? 
to advertisers, media outlets, and protesters. Here's an excerpt right after the latter have literally flipped a house. Public protests like a, what you call, a social barometer indicate the frustrations of folks unable to voice opinions through formal channels. Then, if the issue is trivial and divisive enough, the media will blow it out of proportion and we might end up on TV. Yeah! Yeah! No! We don't do this to get on TV. We do this to make a difference in the community and to solve problems. Swag! Wait, what, what's the problem again? Well, I mean, you're mad, ain't you? Co-creator Jake Girl was in charge of the show's audio production. It's very layered, and so we have a lot of uh, faux ads in there and a lot of load-bearing fourth walls that get smashed and broken <clears throat> in various ways. That was actually one of the, the cool creative challenges for me was like shaping that audio so that the person would get this aural image of what's going on. Oh, this person's on the left. Oh, this is happening kind of in the background, foreground. As the TV-watching character flips through the channels, Wiggins and Girl lampoon many different types of media, and the salacious and consumerist content that captures so much of our attention. Now with two scoops of sun-dried raisins. Mmm! Hansberries! Murdered at birth, but where are they now? <laughs> Wiggins first wrote the narrative as a short story in 2016, before adapting it into a script for audio. The Firesign Theater is a, a big influence of mine. It was one of my dad's favorites, and they would just do wild, wacky stuff in, in just audio. And so I think we were kind of trying to chase some of the cool stuff that you can do just in that medium. You can write anything. All you have to do is make people imagine it when they hear it. The audience was here for it. The Toxic Kumquat Rescue March. Sweet Ben, got some spicy tuna. And give me look! My crimson border is pulsing. Dallas, picture, if you will, the dimension of imagination, unrepressed by the bounds of logic, where the limits of reason and self-interest intersect. A world of shadow and superstition, where the truth is as obscured as it is maddening. It's Fox 5 News on the <laughs> Before the premiere, Wiggins was concerned about what kind of reception it would get. What I'm really nervous about is indifference. If people hate it, I'll, that'll be fine. If people are like, <laughs> this is so stupid, it's the worst thing ever, I'll be like, well, at least I got a strong reaction. A strong reaction is good. What some in the audience told me as they filed out of the theater would probably allay those fears. It was amazing. Like, I, so many little things. I wish I could, like, listen to it more and more to catch all the things that I missed. I've never seen anything like like you're actually listening and having to imagine everything yourself. But I did appreciate the commentary, so it was funny and interesting and odd. <laughs> rapid fire jokes. So rapid fire. His crazy genius. I thought it was life changing. The energy was so new and interesting and exciting. The full show is available for free on Spotify, and Wiggins and Girl are already thinking about scheduling more performances. For WMRE News, I'm Randy B. Hagee. And you'll find photos from the performance at Court Square Theater and more information about this story at WMRA.org and on the app. For WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicky. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy your Friday. Friday.